Aloha, this is Abe's Ukulele Podcast, and I'm your host, Abe. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and every blessing upon you and your house. I hope you're having a wonderful December, or whatever month it is when you find this. On today's episode, I'll be sharing an interview I did with the mini-boss of Koaloha Ukulele, Mr. Paul Okami. Koaloha is considered one of the best ukulele builders located in Hawaii. It is also one of the coveted 4Ks. I would describe their ukes as loud and clear and pleasing to the ear. (laughs) They also feel really great to play. This was recorded in July of 2019 in the Koaloha office. I'm sitting here right now in uh, the Koaloha office in Honolulu with the one and only Paul Okami. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, babe? Nice to meet you. Or Abe, excuse me. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> nice to meet you. As long as I know who you're talking yeah. to. It's like uh, when people say ukulele or ukulele. Yeah. It's like, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Um, so, thank you for sitting down with me. This is uh, really awesome to see this place. Yeah, my pleasure. It's, um, yeah, good to, are, are you, um, you just arrived, right, yesterday? Yeah, actually, I arrived and there was a 14-hour delay. Oh, my and, um. We got in at 5 a.m., so we figured, okay, let's just stay awake all day. Yeah. Uh, we went to sleep maybe at 8 or 9. Um, but it was good. We were tired almost all day. It's okay. Uh, we saw the sunset on Sunset Beach. Oh, nice. So that yep. was cool. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's really good to be here. I'll be here until Sunday. And um, I'm just trying to get as much ukulele as I can because yep. I don't get enough on the East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get out much either. I have four kids, so. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> so before we start, you were recently on two other podcasts, or maybe not recently. Um, you were with the Ukulele Review and Ukulele is the New Black. So I want to encourage all listeners to check those out if you haven't. Um, it was really cool to hear you because I, I talked to you and I wanted you get, to get you on this podcast. And then suddenly I realized, oh, he's on podcasts. So I had a lot of like extra um, research material to do, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Get to stalk you a little bit (laughs) through audio um could you talk a little bit about just basic history of how you got here and how the company got here yeah absolutely so um well i got here um so me personally because um so my brother and i are nine years apart Mm -hmm. um and so uh my parents decided you know eight years later hey we want another kid Mm -hmm. so anyway (laughs) um no but as far as me um coming here to the company uh, so my father actually is a musician by by training and by schooling um, and by oh, passion as okay. well. So um, dad went to school. He went to college. He almost finished. And, um, you know, it's it's funny. I, I made a little joke about you know, me and my brother. But um, so he met mom in college and mm-hmm. he actually, um, they fell in love. They He dropped out. They had my brother. and mm-hmm. um, But dad continued to stay in music. So. Uh, he used to perform in Waikiki in the nightclubs with um, the legendary ukulele player Ota-san. Mm. Um, but the nightlife wasn't, um, you know, dad, dad's a very... Um, uh, He's not about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to say simple, but uh, he, he enjoys like the simple family life, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and nightclubs and, and, you know, drinking and partying. That, that just was never his thing. So mm-hmm. um, dad decided to leave that and he actually went to play for the Royal Hawaiian Band. So he was the oboist in the Royal Hawaiian Band for a few years. Wow. Uh, but the other thing that's that's kind of notable about my dad is that he's 
Um, so he's always moving and, mm-hmm. you know, his mind is, he's, a, he's super creative. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. funny because my brother and I joke that like, you know, in the company where the two old men were like the two staunch, <laughs> like, oh, it's, it's not broken. Don't fix it. And, you know, mm-hmm. dad is like the young progressive uh, thinker and, you know, always wanting to push forward. So um, and in the past, we actually used to kind of get into a lot of fights about it because oh, okay. dad is just, dad will literally stop what he's doing and redo everything if he thinks he can do it better, faster, wow. more efficient, right? Whereas, um, like, I'm pretty logical in the way that I think. So mm-hmm. I'll kind of weigh, you know, is it worth stopping and redoing? And we already have so many of these made, um, you know. And so anyway, so uh, so Dad decided that, hey, you know what? I'm not going to play oboe anymore either. And I'm going to mm-hmm. start um, fabricating acrylic out of my garage. So okay. <laughs> uh, from, from the garage, Dad Big moved. change. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so from the garage, Dad moved to a shop in Kalihi. Um, and that was our home for, for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was doing acrylic fabrication. So uh, we had a line of housewares. So mm-hmm. um, like dish drying racks, dish drain trays, um, napkin holders, mm-hmm. uh, wine holders, etc. cetera. Um, and that's the business that my brother and I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 1995, dad decided uh, he's going to make ukulele. But um, so if I asked you to make an ukulele, you'd make a... You know, without leading you too much, like what mm-hmm. size of ukulele would you make? Uh, probably a soprano, especially if I did not already play ukulele. Okay, so on the smaller side, but that's still what's considered in the family of normal ukulele, right? So mm-hmm. dad was like, you know, I'm going to make a, uh, so from the bottom of the body to the top of the head, I'm going to make this little five inch ukulele. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to, I'm also going to make it fully playable. So mm. uh, so dad or Koaloha actually started with a miniature ukulele that are fully in tune or fully mm-hmm. tunable, fully in scale. Um, 100% playable. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were actually supposed to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. Oh. Um, but we were the only people who broke any type of records that year and, and the years after that. Um, mm-hmm. So they didn't come just for us. Um, mm-hmm. But they actually were going to come, you know, provided that other people had, had broken um, other records. So come on. On the island, you mean? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So come on, come on, Hoi. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so we, we never actually officially made it in. But... Um, to date, I believe it is still the the smallest um, playable in you know tunable ukulele, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of went from there. So in ninety and the ninety five, beginning of ninety six is when Dad. Uh, so Mom kept telling him, you know, instead of making these little ones, why don't you make bigger ones? So and you can sell them. Yeah, <laughs> and people will be willing to pay, you know, because the little ones were selling at full at the time, you know, the the equivalent full size ukulele price because the, oh. the labor. I mean, if, if anything, there was more labor because everything's miniaturized, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, even the, the tuners, you can't buy off-the-shelf tuners mm-hmm. for those. You, so dad literally, like, made his own little mini tuners and mini springs mm-hmm. for the... T- it's it's insane. So there's um, a few of these little ukuleles out there's, in the world? I think... Um, I, I don't know the exact number, but it's it's maybe in the hundreds, but wow. um, yeah, definitely less than a thousand. Um, so uh, all of them were sold out. So mm. they, they are out there and but if you if you have one, um they hold on to it or give it back to us. <laughs> it's a hot market. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So how did he get from the small ones to the big ones? Was it like Oh so yeah, so, so push from your mom. You so said, it's push right? from mom, yeah. So 
Um, so at the time in in the nineties, there was a the mid nineties. There was a real big ukulele boom here in Hawaii, mm-hmm. um, and there was there's a band called the Kao Crater Boys, which mm-hmm. um, so Ernie Cruz and Troy Fernandez, and mm-hmm. I mean just every high school kid wanted to play like Troy and mm-hmm. sing like Ernie, right? And um, you know they they had they did so uh, like Hawaiian stuff. They did like covers and just, mm-hmm. they did like a good variety of both Hawaiian, you know, other types of local and national music. Um, and the music was catchy and, um, you know, hard enough where you had to sit down and really practice to figure mm-hmm. it out, but not so difficult where you couldn't figure out how to play, mm-hmm. you know, similar to them. So um, so kids everywhere would, would just be walking around playing ukulele. So mom kept telling dad, like, why don't you just make regular size ukulele? <laughs> and so dad was like, nah, 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 you know. And uh, finally he he caved in and mm-hmm. he decided he was going to make normal sized ukulele. So mm-hmm. uh, what he did was he took apart uh, the machines or repurposed the machines that he had specifically built to make the mini ukulele mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and enlarged the scale size of, of what he was doing. And mm-hmm. um, that's basically how current, Koaloha began. So oh, he started awesome. with the soprano. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, added the tenor uh, maybe not quite a year later. Um, and it wasn't until maybe five, three to five years later, we added the tenor to our lineup. And, mm-hmm. and in between, we, we started doing, you know, long necks and, mm-hmm. and pineapples and, and a whole bunch of different stuff. But mm. um, yeah. The, um, what is it? What do you call it? The one with the, I call it the spaceship. The one with the, the crown the, on the bottom. The scepter? Because it looks like it's, yeah, yeah. it's taking okay. off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That takes a lot of work, right? Yep. So the so the scepter is a part of Dad's signature line. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first is the pineapple sundae. Um, the second is the scepter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third was the jukalele. So shaped, I mean, like a jukebox. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that's the one I call the bumblebee. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I don't claim to be an... An expert in physics or acoustics, but mm-hmm. I mean, just based on what I know from experience, in theory, the scepter should sound horrible, um, and it doesn't. Which is just like you know, saying that the, the bumblebees, like scientists say, it's not supposed to be able to fly because mm-hmm. it's too fat, its wings are too stubby, mm-hmm. and you know, blah 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 blah. But yet, it's like it hovers around. It's like a little mm-hmm. hummingbird, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's swift, it's agile, it's maneuverable. So. Um, anyway, so I call it the bumblebee. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number four was a limited run called the gambalele. Okay. Um, and those were... Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So, hey, you didn't forget. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, was, I just read it downstairs. Oh, okay, and I was okay. like, the gambalele. And then, oh, gambare. That's, yeah. uh, for those that don't know, that's good luck. Uh, fight hard. Um, do your best. All Thanks. these sorts of things in Japanese. Perfect. Amazing. It's like a perfect cheer go. for um, working hard. Yeah. So... Um, so that we made when the uh, the tsunami and the earthquake happened in, mm. in Japan. Um, and so that we made to, um, you know, do our part. So my family is um, Japanese roots, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, we did it as uh, just, you know, it's uh, honestly what we were able to contribute. I could say it didn't make a dent in the relief, but, you know, I guess... The way I like to think of it is for whoever's families that were affected by what we were able to contribute. I mean, mm-hmm. it made a difference to them, yeah, right? So, uh, yeah, so the 100% of the proceeds from that went directly to relief efforts. Oh, um, okay. So, yeah, we, we donated 100% of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a very limited run. Um, and dad kind of left off at number four. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he said he plans to, uh, before he retires, which will be uh, never. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so he, he says he's, and he has seven planned out. So, mm-hmm. uh, but he will, I don't know, we'll, we'll see which comes first because he's never going to retire. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
Yeah, and so the scepter is number two in in that lineup. Mm, okay, so you have these downstairs, right, on the wall. We have a few of them. We don't have uh, so we actually have up to uh, the gambalele. We have just a body, so it's mm-hmm. not completed. Ah, yeah, okay. but we we do have uh, um, just a body mm-hmm. displaying what what it looked like. Yeah. Okay, I'll take a picture of those and I'll put them in the show notes. Cool. Um, something I hardly ever do is include pictures with my episodes. Um, so what for you? What about the ukulele, and maybe also. Koaloha in particular, what is so special about it? Um, so we we get asked a, a similar question a lot, you know, as, as a as a builder or a player or um, you know, people from Hawaii. And um it's kinda interesting because growing up we so things like, you know, going to the beach, surfing, um, playing ukulele, um, you know, backyard barbecues. I mean, mm-hmm. not that barbecues are exclusive to Hawaii, but you know mm-hmm. that that whole island lifestyle thing. Well, they're going fishing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have that on the mainland? <laughs> um, a lot of things like just access to ukulele. Um, mm-hmm. You know, teachers, like resources. It's 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 there for the taking here, and mm-hmm. so a lot of that we kind of we, we just grew up with it. So we we don't take it for granted, but it's a lot of it is kind of not a big deal, mm-hmm. you know, and so uh, like. You, you'll notice it's kind of odd that we have very few uh, ukulele groups here. Mm. Um, but it's not because there's any lack of love for the instrument, but, you know, it's just you go over to friends or in a, a uncle They're or everywhere. Says, Exactly. So you don't, you know, a lot of times we don't need to purposely have a dedicated group that meets with mm-hmm. a certain frequency to meet other ukulele people, you mm-hmm. know. And um, so as far as what drew me to the ukulele, honestly, until I started building, nothing... I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It, it was, was just, just there. Yeah, it yeah, was it, there. it was there. Okay. You know, and um, it's uh, after Dad decided to to make ukulele, and I started mm-hmm. building them. Um, it was about the same time when when that ukulele boom in the '90s was mm-hmm. popular. So, um, just by you know happenstance, by you know coincidence, whatever fate, mm-hmm. serendipity, whatever you want to call it, um, a good friend of mine. He's super musical, so he can. He's like almost to the level where like one of those like people who can just hear something once and then duplicate it on an instrument. So mm. uh, it's my friend, Dave. Dave, if you're listening, what's up, man? <laughs> um, so he would teach me licks on the ukulele. Um, oh, okay. And so it was about that time that I also started building. Mm. Um, and so the interest kind of not came out of nowhere, but it wasn't, um, you know, I certainly didn't grow up planning to be an ukulele builder or player. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to be a, a doctor or something mm-hmm. in, in um in genetics or research mm-hmm. and so you know, completely not related to like a, a luthier right which mm-hmm. is um so luthier there's, there's is some it. genetics in the wood right <laughs> yeah, there, there's there some is, research yeah. in the yeah yeah absolutely yeah but um yeah so really through through doing it and um so i fell in love with the craft but what really got me hooked and i i said to myself yeah, i can see myself doing this for the rest of my life was um Actually, the stories of or feedback are feedback. Well, I, I don't want to say, you know, because the negative feedback also, I think, made me into a better person, a better mm-hmm. craftsman. But um, the ones that really had the strongest impact were the, the positive feedback where, um, you know, it doesn't happen very often. But, you know, we'll get phone calls or emails or, or handwritten letters of people that say, um, you know, just out of north, thank us saying, mm-hmm. you know, thank you for doing what you do. Um, I was having... A really rough time in my life and you know music your ukulele helped 
uh, mm-hmm. make my day better, you know, in this really hard time. So just just stuff like that where, mm. um, you know, I realized I didn't have to be a doctor. I didn't have to, you know, cure some kind of genetic disorder to to still mm-hmm. have an impact, a positive impact on people and, mm-hmm. and their lives. And, you know, I could do so through building an instrument, so through music. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that's what really ignited something in me. And, you know, I, I realized there is value. There is, I can mm-hmm. make a difference, you know. And, you know, it's not going to be everybody, you know, mm-hmm. but um, it's, it's worth it for those people that music helps them. Mm. Yeah. That's profound. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, often especially in this society, it can feel like music is not as important. But if you spend enough time with it, then you get experiences like that. Where it's yeah. like, yeah. you have a book downstairs actually with a lot of these stories, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it looks yeah. like a great book. So um, along this whole line of like how it got made, your dad's uh, attention to detail, people's lives being changed, how did Koloha become one of the coveted Hawaiian K-brands? That gets talked about, like put on a pedestal. Like, if you want a good one, get Hawaiian K. Um, you know, it's it's I I have an idea, and I can tell you what we did. <laughs> but honestly, you know, I I don't know. Um, you know, because let's say if we took we like time machines are real, mm-hmm. and we we tried to create a formula for success. I I don't think it would have worked. You know, mm-hmm. so I I think a lot of it was uh, so definitely timing was right mm-hmm. because uh, we started building. Uh, during a boom of ukulele. So, mm. um, you know, not not to say that what we did wasn't good, but I mean, we, we could have made anything and made out a coin from Hawaii. It would have sold at the time, you know. Mm. But um, I think the things that kept us relevant and, and um, you know, continued to, to build our reputation and success was that. Um, so, you know, my father, myself, my brother, um, like our, our family were... Um, you know, it's it's our name on the line when somebody buys one of our ukuleles. They buy a koaloha. It's the Okami mm-hmm. family. You know, ultimately, they're not going to find, uh, you know, while we don't personally build every instrument anymore, um, mm-hmm. you know, we certainly have a hand in, in every instrument. But, you know, my, my father, my brother, and I aren't making everything uh, ourselves anymore. And uh, the thing is, though, if somebody's unsatisfied, they're not going to come and, you know, ask for the guy in the body section. You know, it's it's... <laughs> they're going to hold us accountable, mm-hmm. you know? And so for us, because of that, we always take great pride in what we do. And, um, you know, one of the things my brother and I learned from dad was to not be satisfied and to keep improving, you know, mm-hmm. how do you make it better? How do you make it faster? Can you do it more consistently? Can you make it sound better? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and the volume of our instruments is one of the things that, uh, so dad taught us early on that, you know, loud doesn't equal good. But at the same time, you want the maximum volume of your instrument to be pretty loud because mm-hmm. you can always play softer and sweeter. Um, but if your instrument tops out at a certain level, no amount of strumming is going to make it be louder. You know, it'll just mm-hmm. sound distorted and, and horrible and mm-hmm. it might buzz or, you know. So um, he said, you know, while volume isn't equal good, he said, you want it to be loud because mm. um, you can always adjust softer, but you can't make mm-hmm. it louder if it tops out. So um, so that was one of the things, you know, that as far as volume mm-hmm. um, and as far as the sound, um, yeah, we just experimented and experimented and experimented. And the, mm-hmm. the first five years, we really, I, I honestly cannot even track. The, the crazy and sometimes ridiculous things that we did with, mm-hmm. you know, bracing thicknesses, building methods, um, 
I mean, we we pretty much tried. I don't want to say everything, but we tried a good majority of of mm-hmm. the different bracing building styles, you know, that are out there, and um, ultimately kind of settled on a formula that worked. And mm-hmm. from there, made tweaks and continue to make tweaks along mm-hmm. the way. And um, so, I guess the answer to the question is kind of having that attitude, and you know, not so always wanting to put our best work forward, mm-hmm. but not being satisfied and saying, okay, we're we've reached the best that we can do. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're, we've peaked out. We're not going to get better. You know, we, we're always looking on how we can do it better, you know, mm-hmm. how we can do it faster, how we can do it more efficient. And um, for us, I think that keeps us relevant, you know, mm-hmm. rather than just coming out with something great. And, you know, somebody's going to come and, 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 you know, like we always tell our kids, right, you could be number one, but number two is always going to be gunning for you mm-hmm. or there's always going to be somebody who could be better than you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm, that's awesome. <clears throat> so, Speaking of uh, loudness, why are they so darn loud? Including, particularly the concerts. It's not on the magic. The magic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no. We uh, so our that builds. Simple. <laughs> there you go. Um, no, our builds tend to be lighter. Um, mm-hmm. So we we tend to uh, build on the lighter side, and mm-hmm. um, you know without bracing too heavy. So um, we so our basic philosophy is we want to let the wood vibrate or resonate how it wants to naturally. So we don't try to um, overbrace or, or, you know, calculate too much um, mm-hmm. and, and let the wood kind of have its own voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but the volume itself is mostly due to our, our thicknesses of our tops, okay. um, our sides and our backs. And um, we, we try to take it to the limit of where it's not going to bow excessively, mm-hmm. um, but still have, you know, so thick enough to, to have depth and sustain and, and good, mm-hmm. you know, roundness or fullness to the tone, but thin enough to where it's, it's, it can vibrate really strongly and then produce a lot of volume. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. Do you know why, in particular, I haven't played a lot, but it seems like the concerts are so much louder sometimes than even a tenor, for example. To me, that doesn't make sense. But it's um, so interesting. So, the tenor, um, the concert in soprano. So, because mm-hmm. um, if you've ever played one of our sopranos, they're unusually loud for such mm-hmm. a small bodied instrument. Um, so, it's, it's kind of. The best way I can describe it is it's it's a phenomenon or not a phenomenon because it's all you know science. But mm-hmm. um, so when you have like a certain scale length combined with a certain body size, um, mm-hmm. you know, so you have like optimum tension. So like like uh, for say like a, a human athlete, like strength to weight ratio is really important, right? Mm-hmm. Where you know you could have like a super huge guy who's really strong, but he's probably going to be super slow. And you could have like a really skinny guy who's like really fast, but mm-hmm. like brute strength, he's going to be pretty weak. Mm-hmm. Then you kind of have the guy who's in the middle, right? Or he's mix. good, lean, athletic build, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the concert is one of those sizes that kind of, so scale length, uh, you know, bridge positioning, mm-hmm. body size, all of it kind of just comes together just naturally because of its size. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just... It kind of is just, it is. Mm-hmm. It, it, does that make sense yeah, at all? Yeah, yeah it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, scientifically, maybe not, but I'm not, I'm not a scientist, <laughs> so I don't know. That makes sense. If you make, uh, so you, you make tenor necks with concert bodies, do you make 19-inch necks with concert bodies? Because that um, would be higher tension, and you might even blow some eardrums or something. Yeah, not, uh, not yet. So we don't, so the only size we haven't made yet is the baritone. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, so for those of you new to ukulele or you know not not familiar, um, the baritone is like the older brother that's like fifteen to twenty years older than mm-hmm. the rest of the ukuleles in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's tuned a little bit different. So mm-hmm. it's tuned to the um, the first four strings of a guitar, mm-hmm. um, but it's bigger, tuned different. You know, so still considered an ukulele by most people. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so the baritone is the only size we don't make yet. Which would be either a nineteen or twenty-one, or you know, anywhere in mm-hmm. between scale length. So, hmm. yeah. Could so. you talk about why you don't build baritones? Because um, you make guitar leles. We do, we do. Yeah. So just cut off two strings and yeah. Gotta- so uh, the only reason we don't is because I haven't had the time to uh, prototype out and hmm. um, and build one. So it's it's actually believe it or not, it's at this point I think it's been on. You know the back burner for about ten years because mm. um, it definitely is an interest. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's hard with those those special mo- so say like a soprano concert tenor, mm-hmm. I mean we could make nothing but that and be busy all year round. Mm. Um, whereas things like the baritone, um, the different six strings. So we have the uh, the double C double A, and we also have the, the guitar style one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those while popular, you you kind of you either want it or you don't. Um, and you know the other ukulele at some point will sell a lot quicker mm-hmm. than these you know the special ones. So baritones kind of in that um, in that bracket where people okay. are looking for one, or you, you kind of don't sell a person up to a baritone. It's mm-hmm. like they want one or they don't. You know. Yeah. So uh, while there is interest, it's it's a very specific niche that that mm-hmm. does exist. But um, for the amount of of downtime for the, the research and and mm-hmm. you know having to tweak all of it from mm-hmm. um because of its tuning and scale length it's w- while more similar than mm-hmm. different it's it's the most different ukulele hmm. yeah well, that makes sense i think they get uh unnecessary hate they're similar <laughs> to tenor guitars but yeah um, yeah pretty much yeah yeah well you've got the guitar lately so it's you know people can kind of technically get a baritone if they just take Tune off it. two strings or yeah yeah just tune it differently. Okay, that's cool. So who do I talk to to give you the time to research a baritone? Do I talk to you? Because you're, the, you're I, the mini boss. I am the mini boss. So, um, yeah. I, I, <laughs> okay, so um, I did want to talk about like the binding on the fretboards. This is something that is, I think, pretty unique from a standard perspective. Yep. Um, I see it on other ukuleles, but usually it's not common. There's a little bit of binding up and down the fretboard so that the... The frets don't actually stick out. Yep. Um, and I think you've explained this before, but why why do you put that on every ukulele? Can I answer with yes? Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's why. That's why. Um, so that actually was another thing um, from almost the beginning. Um, it, it was one of the very early improvements that we made. Mm. Um, and that one was 100% due to dad. So um, what dad noticed on... Um, not so much our ukulele because they were still, you know, we're still new at the time, but mm-hmm. um, with old, you know, any brand ukulele and, and no no ukulele or guitar is immune to this, um, mm-hmm. is as the wood ages and dries and shrinks, the metal doesn't. So the metal frets do not. Mm-hmm. I mean, those poke out on the end, right? And so- I've had that happen. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's not a quality thing, you know, and- it's just it happens, you know. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's it's natural aging of the instrument, and mm-hmm. so what most people do is they'll take it to um, a guitar, or ukulele shop, a luthier, and they'll they'll do what's called redressing the frets. So basically, mm-hmm. filing and, and sanding down the edges of the frets to get them uh, smooth and not mm-hmm. protruding anymore. So, um, 
dad just didn't like the idea of knowing that was going to happen. So um, he said, we're going to bind all of our fretboards. And that's kind of, you know, we we had to work out the spacing and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and the production and all of that. But he was was pretty set on that. So Mm -hmm. um, that was one of those times that he literally stopped everything and said, we're not making anymore until we figure this out so Mm -hmm. um you know it is literally as simple as gluing a binding on but Mm -hmm. um, we also had to figure out you know so the the width of the neck Mm -hmm. and um so the playable area of the fretboard Mm -hmm. then gets a little bit smaller so Mm -hmm. fine-tuning you know all of that stuff the spacing at the nut to compensate for that so um yeah we had to make sure all of that Mm -hmm. you know worked out and the ukulele still played and felt comfortable Mm -hmm. while having that that protective binding on the end so Mm. um yeah but it wasn't too hard so we, we started doing it and then, I mean we've been doing it since um, our original fretboards were core mm-hmm. um, and our original builds were actually 100% so every so down to the bracing every mm-hmm. component was uh, core at, at the very beginning mm-hmm. um, we've thus um, evolved to uh, so it's still mostly core but mm-hmm. some mahogany necks um, for a little while rosewood fretboards uh, okay. currently ebony fretboards mm-hmm. instead of core yeah. nice that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I have a Koloha and my one of the, my favorite things about it when I first got it was that binding. And it, for a long time, I couldn't I couldn't figure out, I didn't put a lot of thought into it, but when I saw other ukuleles and they didn't have it, I was like, why? Yeah, why is it like this? Yeah. <laughs> and then one of my ukuleles actually got this, uh, it was, I don't know which one it was, but it didn't have the binding, obviously, and it was very dry or very humid. Whichever one it was, but I could feel that that fret okay, end. Okay, yeah, probably dry. And then yeah. that's when I kind of thought, maybe that's why. No, it's got to just be pretty, you know? Yeah. But oh, the, the, so that's good to know. It's like a confirmation. Yeah, the aesthetics are a, so, a bonus because it mm-hmm. does look cleaner, you know? It, yeah, yeah, it does. It's like a premium feature on a just a standard, you know, you're getting a bit of a Corvette in your Prius or yeah. whatever. Like a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good analogy, yeah. but anyway. Um so, uh, speaking of wood, you love koa, and actually you are, I heard from a little birdie called Instagram, <laughs> um, that you're not going to be doing spruce anymore. For, for a while. Okay. For a while, yeah. So, we're not, um, we're not kicking it off the menu permanently, mm-hmm. um, but it is leaving the seasonal menu. So, mm. um, yeah. So, we had a run of, so our red labels, if um, I'm sure you, you're familiar with them, mm-hmm. but um, if you're listening and... Uh, you know, you're, if, if a lot of this is new to you. So our red labels are our semi-custom line of instruments. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, just like a quick walkthrough. So we have our, our standard production mm-hmm. um, and then our reds would be one tier, one step above that. So mm-hmm. uh, red labels are built only by our customs team. Uh, mm-hmm. which is comprised of all of our full luthiers and then Grizz and I as well. So mm-hmm. uh, Grizz is the person who heads our customs and we also have a team of three full luthiers, meaning that uh, so these three guys aside from Grizz and I can take a block of wood and turn it into a finished ukulele with mm. no outside help okay. So um, and do it well. Mm. That's important. <laughs> yeah, so uh, anyway, so the reds are worked on ex- mostly by the three of them. Um, mm-hmm. But we all share, you know, um, and we'll, we'll help each other out between. We're all one team, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so only those guys build them. Um, and so the reds have a lot of custom features, um, and but not at like a full black label custom price. Oh, okay. So, so black um, label is the super. And black label would duper. be, yeah, so built built to commission. Um, and our, our highest level of sponsored artists mm-hmm. will, will also receive um, 
a black label if we can get it done in time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, Before so, the gig, it's yeah, tonight. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, oh. uh, so the blacks are our highest level of, of custom ukulele mm-hmm. that we produce. Yeah, but um, yeah, we're not. Um, Spruce will definitely come back. But mm-hmm. um, we've done a run. So our last format for the Reds was uh, spruce top. So bear claw spruce top with mm-hmm. core sides and back mm-hmm. uh, with a front ebony binding. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually look and sound really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. But um, we don't like to stick with one format for too long. Mm-hmm. So we're going to rotate or not retire, but we're going to put that one to the side for now. Keep and things fresh. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Nice. So. Do you work with um, mostly koa? Or is there a lot of other things that come in? It sounds like for red and black, it's, you know, most wood options are available. Yep. But uh, is that true of the standard line also? Ah, uh, yes and no. So um, what's what's kind of, it, it's interesting that, uh, so being a Hawaii builder, um, koi is king. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's just no... You know, there's no denying it. There's no arguing it. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean well, you know, people can be argumentative you can and you can, but it, it's definitely a losing argument. Mm-hmm. Um, Koi is king for builders based out of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's, it's just, it's a locale thing. And it's, a, um, you know, for, for people who play classical, I mean, for them, like the Spanish guitar would, would be the, the, you know, quote unquote, the guitar to mm-hmm. get, right? And um, so using the woods, I'm not, shoots what is it cedar top i think and um, i don't know yeah i do so, like cedar but. okay so rosewood sides and back i believe <laughs> mm-hmm. is is one of the classic combinations yeah. for a nylon string um and so similar to that you know so core body mm-hmm. for hawaii builders is just it's it's kind of what people expect and it's people what want what they want mm-hmm. um, more so on the production line mm-hmm. um when you get into the customs though um it's kind of funny because the same actually still does apply. Um, but people tend to be a little more open to um, different combinations of, of woods. And from there, you know, we mm-hmm. can... Um, I do love koa and to this day, it's still actually my favorite wood to use. Mm. Um, but I do like making stuff out of uh, other instruments, be it mm-hmm. local or non, non-local, non you know, hard and soft woods. Mm. So, um, but yeah, koa is because of what people want. Mm-hmm. is always the most popular give them what they want yeah <laughs> i mean there's there's so um for the listener there's a wall of ooks in this room and they're all koa is that right yeah all koa and they're all very different so even in koa there's a lot of variation from my own ears i can just hear every koa ook sounds different oh yeah absolutely um, so yeah that's that's awesome um so last question this might be a little unfair but um, other than Koaloha, what would you say is your favorite ukulele brand? Okay, that was, oh, it ends there. <laughs> okay, that was, I thought, thought you were going to ask more question, but um, again, I'm going to have to go with uh, yes. Yes? Okay, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> no, no. Uh, you know, I grew up with uh, Kamaka. Okay. And um, while, while I was growing up, and, and, and I think for most people in Hawaii, because um, I was born at the end of the Martin boom. Mm. Um, and so really, I mean, Kamaka was the only high quality, you know, great ukulele while I was growing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a couple in my house that, mm. that belong to my dad. Um, and it's it's what I grew up hearing and playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if it, I, I can't choose us. You know, but yeah, I would definitely. You could. Yeah, I would. So 
from my childhood growing up, and it's um, yeah, I, I to this day I, I'll never forget the tone mm-hmm. of my dad's ukulele. Um, mm-hmm. so mom got him one. I forget what birthday, but it's uh, it was like a semi-custom. Uh, forget the model, but a, a concert-sized ukulele. Mm. But um, I just remember opening the case and just you know, my dog has fleas, and mm-hmm. just kind of doing that as a kid. And the mm. the that tone will never, I'll never forget that. Mm. And it's just this beautiful, you know, amazing full round tone coming out of that mm. instrument. So, awesome. Yeah. Well. Paul, um, I could probably talk to you all day, but um, we've got work to do, or you've got work to do. I'm just going to go explore Hawaii more. Okay. Um, thank you so much for sitting down with me and chatting. Yeah, thank you for coming. Can I Can I just say one last thing real quick? I was going to ask. Oh, okay. Finally, uh, before we go, do you have anything awesome that's coming up that you want people to know about? Yeah, we do. So, um, so next year, Koaloha turns 25, Woo-hoo. Uh, which means that uh, we can legally drink everywhere in the world as a co- <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know. Isn't it 21 is like the oldest, right? I don't know. I, I don't know. Anyway, um, but uh, yeah, so we're just stay tuned to our, our social media, um, our website. Um, yeah, and, and we, we have a lot of stuff planned for next year. So there will mm-hmm. be instruments that are unique and limited. Mm-hmm. Um, we're planning to go to different places and mm-hmm. we're planning to uh, have some music be played on our mm-hmm. instruments Awesome, and um, possibly some parties. So okay. um, yeah, so we're, we're just looking to celebrate because uh, it's our silver anniversary. So hint, hint, silver. That's um, great. That may or may not be silver related oaks. to, um, yeah, mm-hmm. to maybe ukuleles will be Wait, made out of silver. Over. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good bit of material. So yeah. Okay. Well, Paul, thank you for sitting down with me. Yeah, thank you. See it's you. fun. So that's it for this episode. Thanks to Paul Aikoloha and thank you for stopping by. I hope you got a lot out of this. I had a wonderful time in Hawaii and I can't wait to share the rest of my trip with you. Koaloha makes some incredible instruments and it was so cool to see the whole operation and meet the crew. If you'd like to get in touch, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you think of the show and if you have any suggestions for future episodes. Just use the feedback link in the show notes. Finally, if you want to help the show remain a viable endeavor for me, consider chipping in a dollar or more per month. You can find the tip jar or the buy me a coffee page in the show notes and every bit goes a long way towards the production of this show. Monthly supporters get early access and bonus episodes. Thanks again for listening and I'll talk to you next time. Aloha!